Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I have a guest on the show and I am talking to Carla Manzanilla all the way from Mexico. She is someone who has lived with anorexia, bulimia, compulsive exercise and orthorexia for more than 27 years. But I'm pleased to report that Carla is now fully recovered and describes experiencing feeling fully alive again. Carla is also a mother to three incredible teenagers. Carla is passionate about encouraging hope that recovery is possible no matter your age, your eating disorder duration, your culture, your gender, your sex or religion. She believes that eating disorders can live within any of us and we can all be vulnerable to experiencing these disorders. In the podcast today, Carla is going to talk about her recovery story and she hopes that through this she can inspire listeners, especially the parents that live in silence and solitude with an eating disorder Parents can be experiencing so much shame, anxiety and guilt for their secret ED behaviours leading to a double life. On the outside, as a coping mother or father, whilst inwardly struggling so desperately. Carla's life mission changed due to her personal recovery story and now she is helping clients to heal their relationship with food and body. Carla's coaching is orientated towards Latin American people suffering with chronic eating disorders. She is also opening the door to new and more accessible treatment services in her region. Currently, eating disorder treatment is very classist and it's difficult where Carla lives to access via the public health system with limited or no treatment options for eating disorders in some areas. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. I know that Carla's story and the work that she is doing is going to inspire and give hope to so many of you listening. Let's get to the conversation. Hi, Carla. Welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. Hi, Harriet. I'm so excited to be here. I was waiting this opportunity and I want to say first thank you because I know how busy you are. I know how many things are around you and you just open your space for me and your heart. That's something that I really thankful. Well, thank you so much, Carla. And I know we did book this like quite a long time ago, didn't we? But it's, yeah, it's wonderful to have you here today. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, it was like, I think July, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, one day I will get really good at doing like bulk podcasting, you know, where you just like record lots in one go. I still don't do that. I literally like just try and record like one guest episode and one solo episode a week. And that, to me, then it always feels much more manageable. So it does mean there's quite a waiting list of guests. <laughs> well, that's amazing. So you are not also uh, like overwhelmed. And for sure, you have so many things to do. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no. well, I think we're all busy, aren't we? We all live crazily too busy lives. <laughs> that's true. It's like a lot of place running around us. <laughs> yeah, they're really true. So Carla, we're going to get into your story in a minute because I know, you know, you've recovered from eating disorders after struggling for a very long time. But can I get you firstly just to introduce yourself to the listeners? Of course, I'm Carla Manzanilla, born in Mexico City right now. I'm living in the US. And 
I am a mom of three beautiful teenagers, I'm married, and I have like, I can say now like a normal woman life, <laughs> but also I have my story, right? Like makes me not be normal, thank God, makes me have so much experiences around me and enjoy my life in a different way now. And now I'm helping women also to find that freedom and find that joy in the life. Yeah, I know. Wonderful. So it sounds like recovering from eating disorders has changed the direction of your life into a whole different, yeah, a whole different direction, a whole new purpose. Oof. I mean, having an eating disorder was so hard, was so deep, and I lost myself for so many years that now that I am with me, with the really me, you know, like not with the eating disorder, just Carla, it's another story. I mean, in that moment, I couldn't imagine how different it could be. But now that I live in this, after I have one year and some months, like I was, reco- I am recovering now. So it's totally a different life, a totally different Let's say no life because my life is the same. I have my same kids. I have my same life. But the mindset, the joyful, my heart, my focus is totally different. Mm. It's wonderful to hear, Carla. But can you tell us a little bit then about your story? Because I understand you struggled for about 27 years, did you, with eating disorders? Yes, it was like that. I struggled. Well, I'm going to start with, I was diagnosed at 15 years with anorexia, but probably I started, you know, webbing these webs in my head much early. Just the diagnosis was at 15 years. And it was because I got in surgery at that age. So, I mean, it's funny because I did listen to this story a lot of times, like, People go to some illness or surgery and then start the anorexia. So that was my case. And I started losing weight. And then I just get anorexia and get in the process and in the cycle of all the risk behaviors. And actually, it was a very, very deep anorexia. And I had to just go to the hospital after one year because malnutrition. And the pressure inside of the hospital and, you know, like you need to eat and it was the 90s. So at least in Mexico, we didn't have a lot of knowledge of the eating behaviors or eating disorders behaviors. So it was funny because any doctor told me that I have anorexia at that moment. She just tried to find something physical in my body. So I got so many exams, I got so many appointments with the doctor, I've been in the hospital just feeding me with tubes, that kind of thing, but no one told me about anorexia at that moment. So the only thing I really want is go out to the hospital and I want to return to my house at that moment. So I just start eating, but I switch to bulimia. So I ate because that will be the only way to go out from the hospital. But to be honest, it was the best decision. It was like a survivor decision. <laughs> and after that moment, I experienced, you know, that the typical cycle of bulimia with constant purgings and binge episodes. And I want to talk 
this, it was not the binge episode that we saw in the picture, but I want to tell that because sometimes in the narrative of eating disorder, we always say like, oh, if I don't look like the picture, I am not that bad, right? So Mm -hmm. every journey is different. And I think if our mindset is all the time about food, about wearing lot, about our body, about be perfect, about be be acceptance or look for that acceptance outside or our self, how to steam is very low. I mean, for sure it's an eating so it doesn't matter if you don't look like the pictures. So at the 18 years, something like that, I reached to my mom telling the truth. Of course, my mom always knew, right? And always came to me like, you are not doing correct. What are you doing? Try to help me. Try to punishment. Try to do something as a mom. But until I was 18, I decided, okay, this is not a lie. I was in a very weak emotions at that moment. And just reached to her. We found a clinic in Mexico. At that moment, it was just two clinics in Mexico that treating eating disorder. And they still treat eating disorder as an addiction. I don't know that's happened also in London. I know it's not treating more like that, but at the moment, the same clinics that treat addiction treat eating disorders. And after they have constant relapses, especially after pregnancy. In fact, when I think in pregnancy periods, when I feel the most liberated in my rec- before my recovery, I give me so many permission to eat because my baby, because not for me. So it was a good period, I had to say. And when my kids start growing up, I start again with these cycles of bulimia and anorexia, bulimia and anorexia. And maybe around eight years ago, I moved to country and I came here to US to live. And it was really hard for me, the change, because we was alone as a family. All my family was in Mexico, all my career, all my stuff, everything. I left everything behind. And that change, I think, was a very bad trigger for me. And the anorexia shut me down with a compulsive exercise. And yeah, it was like maybe the last three years before recovery was literally the hell. I live in the hell, exercise, seeing myself a lot, not sleeping, not eating, and was really bad until I decided, okay, I need to do something because literally I am dying. And of course, my kids was like my first battery to look for recover and for me it was like I didn't have more hope for myself so the funny thing is I hear Victoria in your podcast for first time mm-hmm. and then I follow her and I reach to her and I start my process to recover with her yeah well, sorry to kind of interrupt you though it sounds like it was like hellish for those last three years I mean it had been really challenging hadn't it all the way through but it sounds like particularly after moving and all those transitions and then you perhaps got into deeper and deeper cycles what caused you to really hit that rock bottom period and you know so that you actually decided to reach out for help 
oh, I was in that point, like, I really, I was waiting to die. I mean, I didn't do nothing directly. Well, I was having eating disorder, right? But nothing to compromise my life with another behaviors. But every day I open my eyes, I say, oh, I really didn't die. And I can't stop this. I can't. Even if I try, even if I try to exercise, even if I try it, if I was in a state that can't hold myself anymore. And I feel so lost of control, so lost of my life. I even, I even know who I was. I even know why I want to be in this world. If I can stop this, what kind of mom I will be if I don't stop this? So I feel very controlled by the eating disorder. It sounds like, I guess it was just like ruling your day so much wasn't it and I mean it must have been incredibly challenging trying to do your life and parent three kids and you know when you were sort of like having to be thinking about food getting all the exercise in purging maybe I mean it must have just I can really understand why it must have felt like a living hell it was it was really challenging because I also have a full work job right so I am mom working mom with three in a country that I don't have any support just my husband I mean and me that's it I also had to hide all my behaviors right but to be honest I also have like I suffer with a lot of anxiety that my mood was horrible all the time I was tired all the time I wasn't the best example to my kids and I know it I literally I know how was that feelings? And I always think like, oh my God, what I'm doing, what I am doing with my kids, what I am doing with my family. And also it's all this shame around my behaviors. Oh my God, that always like, okay, I am just going to die sometimes because if I couldn't stop my eating disorder, I will really, I don't know, not kill myself, but I will ruin the life of my kids. I feel that and I feel so responsible of the life of my kids and my example to them. But even in, I mean, it always was like that. So I think the last maybe month when I really, the behavior can't stop. I mean, I wake up 3 a.m. in the morning to just go and to exercise for hours and then come back, you know, prepare the lunch, prepare the kids, drop them to the school come back I mean go to the work go back home like that kind of life I actually don't know how survives all that years with that that cycle to be honest Mm, yeah it sounds torturous doesn't it but I get it though like when you're so in it it probably just felt so impossible to stop didn't it like you know who would you be without it what would you do it just become so much of your life and who you were yes it was like changed my life changed who I was because I start at 15 years and for sure you are listening this a lot it's like I never developed a complete personality so to be honest I always thought that I was the eating disorder I was the liar I was the people that really likes or really really focused in the body I am the healthy one I am the skinny one like all the mindset of the eating disorder I always 
thought that I was me. And with the recovery process, I discovered that that wasn't me. I actually doesn't like, you know, the cauliflower rice. I actually doesn't like me. <laughs> and maybe that sounds so stupid, but it's so deep. Like maybe I like to rest. Maybe I like to enjoy the sun. Maybe I like to like things that I never thought I would enjoy. I discovered that could be yes, could be a possibility for me, for the real Carla. Time for a short advertisement break. Are you tired of being tired and fighting with your body while the emotional eating or binging continues? You are not alone. Emotional eating is not your fault, yet it is something you deserve to fully overcome. Are you ready to gain massive insight into your emotional binge triggers and understand the roots of why you're in self-sabotage with food and your body? You will definitely want to check out emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert Amber Romagnac's The No Sugar Coating podcast with over 400 episodes diving deep into emotional eating and binge triggers, female hormone and gut issues, weight blocks, cravings and the physical, emotional and energetic connections. After overcoming her own food addiction, binge eating and emotional eating behaviours, Fully and now coaching over 1,600 women in the last 10 years, she provides a deep level of knowledge to help assist you forward on your journey to food and body freedom and beyond. This podcast will help you build a newfound level of awareness that you may have never had before. And there's no diets, no quick fixes and no band-aid approaches here. The podcast is about building self-love, acceptance, confidence, and becoming in tune with your relationship with food, thoughts, symptoms, and will help you start to take your power back. If you truly want to feel free from emotional eating, come take a listen. Visit amberapproved.ca forward slash podcast to start listening and take the next life-changing step on your journey. You're not alone. You've got this and you can break free. You can check out a wide variety of resources, a free emotional eating quiz, one-to-one coaching support and more about body freedom at amberapproved.ca. The links are in the show notes. So when you started working with Victoria, where did you begin? (laughs) Because I guess, you know, there are so many ways into kind of working on an eating disorder, but like, where was your starting point to begin to, you know, interrupt some of the cycles you're in? Yeah, well, I think why I felt attracted to Victoria is because she embraced me, all myself for the first time. I mean, during all these years, I, of course, I look for help. You know, I went with psychologists, I went with nutritions, but never getting in, I mean, in myself, in my soul. So when I talk to Victoria, I feel her hug with love. I feel her so deeply connected to the process to help that I feel so different than before. And that was the first thing that I say, okay, yes, I want to do it with her. And she started just asking me, like, you know, I for sure I had to stop exercise for months and I go in all in process. Mm. So I start eating was so hard to be honest. It was so hard just sitting in front of the place. It was so hard like challenge all these fear foods that 
all the people that suffer with eating disorder had. It was so challenging to tell my family because I told my family what was my process, where I was, and what could happen with this. So I involved them, my kids, the part of gaining weight, the part of all my body hurts a lot because I stopped exercise and, you know, my joints, my muscles, a lot of pain over there. I struggled with a lot of problems with the digestive system. Yeah, it was so hard, but Victoria always was there with some work, with some exercise, with some hug in the distance. It was so lovely to have her, to be honest. I can't think in in any other people that can help me as she helped me. Yeah, it sounds like that therapeutic relationship was really strong, really safe. And you felt that love from Victoria, I guess, didn't you? Like you said, in a way, she was just so invested in you. She was so invested in the process. And I guess you could put your trust and your faith in her, really. And that in itself gave you a platform didn't it to begin to make some of those changes yeah you said <laughs> in better words than me yes and she always said like, I'm going to trust on you before you trust in yourself and that is true she trusts in me since the first day she looked at me and she knows that I could recover and because she knows that and she expressed it to me in so many ways I believe I believe that it could be a possible for me. Mm. Yeah. So her really holding that hope and faith for you is like kind of holding a torch, I guess, wasn't it? And that gave you, you know, you started to the beginning, I guess it would be hard to believe, but she was kind of there every step of the way. And yeah. And I guess you start to build your own confidence, don't you? You start to like take some little steps and it's really hard, but you continue to take those steps and she keeps encouraging you. And I'm yeah. guessing like, it sounds like you spoke to your family and, you know, you got them sort of quite involved. Did you like, was that quite an important part to have support around you when you were trying to make all these changes? Of course, it was like a very important approach to them because I mean, that was the first time that I told them about my eating disorder. Of course, my husband knows mm. everything he noticed. He noticed my behavior. He sometimes like even like asked me because he knew that I went to the hospital with when I have anorexia. He was with me in the bulimia process before the first recovery. I mean, he knows. Mm-hmm. But also our relation was very, very deteriorated because my eating disorder. And sometimes he just want to help me. I didn't let help me. And at this time, when I start with Victoria, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this, but I need help, right? I mean, everything is going to change. I even know who I will become after recover. <laughs> so mm. of course, I will need to talk with my kids. And with my husband. So I talked with them and was so, I mean, amazing because their reactions of my kids was like, you can do this, ma'am. They were so supportive to me and that changed everything. I remember the first time that I eat an ice cream, 
I mean, I even remember when was the last time after, before this day. So I went for an ice cream and my little daughter was next to me. She said, mom, are you really going to eat an ice cream? Mm-hmm. And I just, because I saw her face, like she really was so happy. And I never think that she could be that happy or notice that I never eat ice cream before. And she was like, making a big party because I was eating an ice cream. I finished the ice cream and she was the whole time next to me enjoying her ice cream and my ice cream together. And I keep that in my head. I think during all my recovery process, I keep that image in my head because it matters. I never think that matters, but my behaviors and my all the eating disorders, yeah, behaviors and cycle and all the things take away the view of the other ones or the care of the other ones and when you notice that they really wants to help you and they really care of you wow that's like a bump of love (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's incredibly powerful story just hearing that and I can imagine how you can draw a lot of strength actually from that memory and it's lovely actually I think you were able to share with your family and then to be able to accept some of that support because I think when you have an eating disorder you're just so isolated aren't you you're kind of in your own bubble and it's very hard for people to reach you it is it's really isolated and it's really like you live in a prison a prison that you feel by yourself right it's not because the people once isolated you isolated by yourself because it is the only way that you can hide from the others so and it's something in some point the eating disorder joy joy or enjoy to be by with you all the time and I look in this eating disorder like another people <laughs> in the room because it's the only way that he can control if it was a man the only way that he can control you the eating disorder just being yourself or be by yourself in a room that's the only way so it's very isolated and you keep away from the life for the real life. You stop going out, you stop going, be social, you stop enjoy things that normal people enjoy. You just want to be at home or you just want to be at the gym or you just want to be running. Is the only things that you really matters. Like whatever is make that obstacle is going to be like against you or you feel like that right like someone put an obstacle is going to be like okay you are my enemy Mm. so Carla what are you discovering about yourself now you are you know obviously you've come out the other side you're kind of in recovery or recovered I don't know how you like to describe it but what have you discovered about yourself? Because I guess it's been a whole getting to know you, hasn't it, for the very first time, probably? Yeah, I mean, it was such a big discovery about myself. To be honest, now I am able to sit down, to enjoy a coffee, to enjoy a movie. I am able to think, to be honest, to think, because before I wasn't able even to write an essay. I was not able to learn anything. I didn't have the mind to read. It's just like going, going, going. And now I am start 
being, a really human being. And I start, I mean, not now, and maybe after six months of my recovery, I start feeling like a normal people. I can go to a restaurant like a normal people. I can eat like a normal people. I can struggle like a normal people. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the life is totally different. I discover like I have my value just because I am myself. I can trust in myself. I can even there is some days that I really love myself with deeply, deeply love. It's not just about acceptance. Sometimes, I mean, I don't say every day, but lots of days I like to be with myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful to hear. So Carla, you are now on a journey in supporting other people. Is that right? Are you sort of doing some coaching or what is the work that you're doing now in supporting others? Yeah, I'm doing coaching and supporting women in Spanish language because obviously it's my first language. So I decided to start a coaching, as you know, or maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> I supposedly, Mexico, at least I know, and most of the countries of Latin America, and that's my intuition. It's very difficult to get support over there. It's very difficult in so many ways because it's really expensive to get a treatment if you have an eating disorder. It still is very, I mean, it's growing fast. There is a lot of people now that used to be before having treatments, psychologists and nutritionists, but it still is not open for everyone, to be honest. And still talking about eating disorders I feel like it's a taboo. We're still talking about eating disorder like it's not for everyone, couldn't happen here, it's just for rich people, it's just for people like, you know, can just quit the food. And it's like, okay, let's go talk about this eating disorder. It could have it anyone. Let's go talk about, could be in your family. Let's go talk about our culture because we have all these issues to judge, you know, the other ones to, I don't know how you say this word, but machism, machismo, how do you, I don't know if you recognize that word or not, mm-hmm. but we have in that culture is still like when the woman is always do something for the man or at least the adult women still working in that mindset. And we are very preoccupied about what the others think about it. And we are mm-hmm. very quick to judge. And we are very aware of the bodies of the other ones. So we are still in that culture, still is everywhere. And the families talk about with names to the other ones, with difficult names that always put some labels in the kids. And so I think it's so much work to do in our countries. And we need to open the possibility to recover to all the people. Mm-hmm. That's really needed. Not just the people can pay. It's the people that it's like a human big access to recovery because it's not fair if you don't have the money, if you don't have the social class, if you don't have the education, if you don't have, I mean, all the requirements for go and ask for treatment. What are you going to do if your family is not educated? How they are going to support 
these people. So it's a lot mm. of investment time there. It's a lot of the necessity is huge. And it happened the same. I mean, after the pandemic, the eating disorder grows a lot in our countries, grows a lot. And there is people with a necessity. So I'm helping them. I am in coaching. I'm giving coaching now. And I also, because I study like diploma in eating disorder in Mexico too, I am have like a little web of nutrition. I psychologist, if they need that treatment, they, I can be the companion part. And I have this other two parts that can support the treatment if, it's, if they is necessary. Yeah, well, I think it sounds fantastic work you're doing, Carla. And it sounds like, you know, I guess sort of in Latin America, it sounds like, you know, it's probably a bit behind, isn't it? Sort of like the UK and it more sort of traditional and still perhaps more shame around mental health, eating disorders. I mean, I think there's a lot of shame in the UK, you know, to this day, but I think it sounds like probably even more so, doesn't it? But also the kind of the poverty and the the classist system, I guess, that's a real barrier, isn't it? Like you're sort of saying that really only people that are very wealthy maybe can access support. And there's a lot of people just, it's not even an option, I guess. It's not an option. And it's not an option. You are right. It's like a lot of poverty around. But as we know, the eating disorder happens, doesn't matter if you are rich or you are poor. Mm. Happens in everyone. And because the poverty came with not too much education, we have towns in Mexico that they don't even have a possibility to have water. So the poverty is a lot. I don't know if that people have an eating disorder or not, but of mm. course they are awareness of the culture. If the diet culture touched them because they touched them, I mean, they are not living blind. They have this <laughs> the social media, the television, all the ads can struggle. Doesn't matter if you are poor or not. They are living in that culture. And you can see women that had the opportunity to study or is the first generation to study. And they came to this new world that, okay, I'm studying for the first time. I'm getting a degree. And now I had to try to fit in this world that is totally different of my world and I need to look in certain way and I need to behave in certain way and because their families is not a support group because the education they also doesn't have the opportunity to recover because also they don't have money like it's a big issue it's not just like oh they don't want to recover I don't think it's Mm -hmm. like that because we don't have the education. We don't open this information to all the people. We just have this classicism and it's really sad. Mm. So you finding, Carla, I'd imagine that there must be a lot of people that are getting in touch with you. You must be quite in demand, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I am open because that's another thing. I mean, I think we are behind in this too because in USA and UK is also more frequently listened coaching in our countries is not. I mean, we have the support by psychologists and we have support by nutrition, but the coaching is just to start opening there. It's not too much trust there. So I am open that way. Like, okay, 
we can do it in this way. It already touched other kind of treatment and doesn't work. We have this option too. And it's not like I didn't get support with the other professional careers. We have that support also. But yeah, the coaching is like, okay, what is coaching? What is about coaching? And to be honest, coaching is more like be with the people, be with them in the process. It's the same that Victoria give it to me, that that embrace and that hug hug and that trust on myself that we really need when we have an eating disorder. Nicola, what would you say to anyone who's listening to this today who's really feeling stuck in the depths of an eating disorder? Like, what would you say to them to give them some hope? (laughs) Well, recovery is possible. It's possible for anyone. And I know, how do you feel if you was stuck there or if you are living in that hell? (laughs) I know how you feel and I know how it feels lost hope in yourself. But even if you don't have hope right now, it's possible. There is people especially for you that could help you. Everyone have special people, everyone. So you just keep looking. Keep looking for help. If one help doesn't let you go out, try another way. It's always a way. And I can tell all the people that live without eating disorder, it's a new whole world. And it's really worth it. Oh, thank you, Carla. Really encouraging words. Thank you. Well, it's true. I mean, it's true. And I know you have your own story and... We have so many people that already passed this uh, path. And I think all of us are going that. Like, it's like you're born again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my story. And I really, if your listener doesn't talk Spanish, and for sure you are not close to Hispanic culture, I just, let you know to invest like just also encourage them to investigate what happened with the other part of the world that we are a little behind and we also like all the information your podcast the books you know the most info that we receive in our country is in english we don't have so much investigations in spanish actually most of our studies come from usa so our statistics are very behind. We really don't know how many people in Hispanic countries develop an eating disorder. We can intuit, have the intuition. We have some little studies, but our government didn't invest to investigate this issue. So the problem is big. Yeah, no, Sean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, doesn't it? But I think, yeah. you know, it's so inspiring, Carla, because I think, you know, you're fairly recently out of recovery and you're already making some real ripples of change, aren't you? And having a voice and advocating for people, starting your coaching, you know, and it sounds like there's some baby steps. The tide is turning, isn't it? There's a lot of work to do. But, you know, I think it's just so encouraging hearing, you know, just what you're doing. And yeah, things can change, can't they? Slowly, slowly, things can change. change. (laughs) yeah I never thought that I could do this now but I am very passionate now to 
because I live there and I'm passionate. <laughs> it's funny, right? Because we used to be very passionate. Most of the people with eating disorder, now my passion transferred to another passion, but always taking care of myself also. Like, I don't want now like this take all my life. <laughs> so I also try to enjoy my life and enjoy my kids, enjoy my family, enjoy my work. And yeah, have that space to self-care because it's important. <laughs> yeah, and no, it's really important. <laughs> really important. Yeah. We have to sort of, yeah, put on our own oxygen masks first don't we like you know fill up that self-care cup and before we're sort of helping everyone else that's Um, true so Carla do you have any way if anyone wants to sort of get in touch with you you know what's the best way for people if they want to follow up with you after the podcast well I have my email I can say here I can also send it to you is coach Carla at carlamanzanilla.com I have my wage page like triple w carlamanzanilla.com and I have my social medias you can find me like Carla Manzanilla or coach Carla Manzanilla and I also have a podcast in Spanish called Te con Manzanilla (laughs) so everything could be if you go to my website you can find all the information there okay fantastic all right brilliant well I shall make sure that all of the information goes in the show notes so thank you yeah so much for that Okay, Carla, well, I'd just really like to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Just such an incredible, inspiring story. And I know that you're going to give a lot of hope and encouragement to so many people listening. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Harriet. Thank you for the opportunity to talk. As you can see, English is not my first language. So thank you. And I apologize to all that you're listening. It's something I said wrong. But I think the message needs to be spread in all the languages and with all the hearts. So thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to the story. And thank you for opening this space for me. Oh, thanks so much, Carla. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And if you want to get in touch with Carla, do go to the show notes and the details will be there. If you're not following me already on Instagram, do seek me out at the eating disorder therapist underscore. For further support with your relationship with food, you may want to visit the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. I have an online course as well with videos and lecture content, which is a great way to dip your toe into the water if you're beginning to explore your relationship with food. And it has 50% off at the moment with the code freedom is possible. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. And if you're a counsellor, nutritionist or personal trainer listening and you are interested in learning more about how to support someone in improving their body image, I have a course on Saturday the 18th of November on Zoom. Do email me harriet.frew at gmail.com if you would like to join that. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all your support so much. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm -hmm.